Welcome back, folks, to episode 37 of the Running Man Self-Regulation Skills and Self-Improvement Project podcast with me, your host, Dr. Armando Dominguez, PhD in health psychology, licensed professional counselor, and an adjunct professor at a local community college. And the topics we're going to discuss today have to do with how we see things, how we tend to believe things to be. And now in this current time of a lot of political unrest, we're seeing a number of people espousing what it is they consider to be, in quotes, the truth, the penultimate truth, immutable. And uh, we hear a lot of absolute speak, extremism, this sort of thing. And what I'm going to provide today are just some ideas that kind of help us look at what we do whenever we start believing and seeing things a certain way, our perspective and, and our opinions, and how they get shaped often by stress and stressors, and also the social environment, those that we're around. So what we're going to start off with is identifying three things. One is what's called the conjunctive fallacy. That is often whenever we have a sense of conjoinment of two things, two ideas, and uh, often they're not always necessarily true. Things tend to look like a certain thing. Therefore, we assume them to be and we join that assumption with what we would call evidence. And one great example is the study that they did in colleges during the 60s and early 70s with college students. And they would draw a line of about 12 inches and they had an arrow pointing towards the line, the point of that arrow, touching that uh, line on one end and the other. So kind of like a reverse parentheses with the, the tails of the arrow pointing out and they would have another 12 inch line that was below it or next to it. And then they would have the arrow uh, pointing inward in the sense that the point was at the line at the end, uh, touching the end of the line of the 12 inch line. But yet the flares of the arrows were actually moving towards the center, pointing towards the center on both ends versus pointing outward like reverse uh, featherings on an arrow, this sort of thing. But uh, they were both 12 inches, and they would uh, dance these students in, and they would have them ask uh, which line was longer. So there was a front load right there that would tell them, even though you and I know that it was 12 inches long, these students didn't when they did the studies, and they kind of front-loaded them with this expectation, which the Confederates or those that were doing the studies with the psychologists that were doing these studies were trying to find out what the impact of influence would be, social influence, and also suggestion, telling somebody which one is longer. That is actually front-loading this suggestion that there is a shorter line or a longer line for that matter. And often this fallacy, the conjunctive fallacy, means we join what it is that we see with what we believe to be. And it's not always the way we take it in, and sometimes we may even join with what the popular opinion is and say, this line is longer and point and pick. And they would have them pick. Often they would do studies where they would have somebody in there saying this, uh, which one is longer. And sometimes they would even hear the, the uh, researchers uh, inflect that the one was longer, the other was longer, just encouraging more of that same belief yet the, center lines were still 12 inches apiece. It just looked slightly different because of the way they shaped the end caps or the parentheses on each one of those. So 
the conjunctive fallacy was that whenever somebody would say, I think this is longer, and everyone else would say this is longer, and then one would go and say, no, this one is longer, or someone would say this is the same, there was less social support for one or the other. But uh, the one that was correct was probably the least supported. But by social pressure, they would actually have more people jump on the side of, yes, this is longer, because everyone else said it was longer which was incorrect because it was still 12 inches, and yes, it was a setup, but that actually just kind of identified what that social pressure can do. It can cause someone to sway not only opinion, but belief. They were perceiving something physically with their eyes. They were seeing two 12-inch lines, but yet because of the verbiage that somebody decided to test, they were able to sway the opinion. So why is this important to self-regulation? Well, there are a number of reasons it is important. One is that often our opinion can get skewed. And will you ever get upset at something that looks to be true or sounds true because somebody says it with great fervor and emotion behind it and there's intensity? Well, if you've ever involved yourself in the gossip mill, uh, yes, you have. And uh, we've all been taken in by it, including myself when I was younger. I no longer do that. I don't participate in the rumor gossip mill. It's just not healthy. But there are certain purposes that it serves within an organization. It can actually serve to get good information out, but also to gather information um, just as long as it's not harmful to somebody. So within the confines of healthy communication, like uh, somebody's birthday, something like that, it, it's useful and it's a helpful tool. So it's not an absolutely dark mark on an organization, but it can be hurtful whenever it's in the wrong hands or the wrong type of information is encouraged. And, uh, this is where the conjunctive bias becomes problematic because if something is passed along the lines of, let's say, uh, somebody's group and they hear something and then they all start talking about it and they come to a conclusion. And if there's a stronger character in that group, for instance, and they tend to have a more negative conclusion, but yet because they're a stronger character, they may actually lead how the group is responding or believing and someone may not have enough character strength to say that's not true, or maybe even to defend the person that is being spoken of harshly, badly, or in a bad light. And there are some that do, but this is just an example, once again, of what we would call a conjunctive fallacy, wherever we would take a belief based on maybe an opinion or, or the way the social scheme would have us believe and us going along with that, and maybe even believing it, even though maybe the evidence isn't particularly accurate. As far as the two lines, all they would have had to do is to have taken a ruler. And whenever they let them know what the situation was, I'm sure a number of them laughed and were embarrassed because, oh, I got it wrong, this sort of thing. Of course, it was a safe environment. But in real life, uh, the conjunctive fallacy can be problematic because I may act on something that's faulty or untrue that could be damaging. It could be helpful. Who knows? But uh, the idea is to know that sometimes those things can bend what it is that we consider factual. And sometimes we may even elevate it by emotion to a level of truth. This is true. And that's how it is. And then we start developing what is called an internal conviction, an internal bias in a certain direction that once we have emotional capital invested, when we've got emotional effort and belief and thought and interaction with others, that's a lot of supportive validation of sorts of something that may not be correct, but that we would see as energy expended. And therefore, now it has a bit of a life and it's hard to 
disprove and often people don't like being wrong and we're really not apt to change our opinions and minds once we start getting emotional about things so early on in this podcast we discussed the fact that many decisions we make we make emotionally first before we ever allow ourselves to think about it it's not a really a truly allowance it's a matter of the signal splitting off and going to our higher cortex where we can reason with but if our emotions precede our best cognitive process does it or does it not this is completely rhetorical mind you inflect or color or even influence how it is that you're seeing something if you're in a bad mood is that gonna influence how you interpret something and we do know by the studies that yes it does whether you be happy sad or indifferent will determine how we not only interpret situations, but rather how we interact with people and how we may ever act or act out if we act at all based on those beliefs and feelings. Another type of mindset or bias that we develop is one that's called hindsight. We always joke about having 20-20 hindsight and had we been able to see that first, boy, I would have done something else or done something different. And the strength of hindsight is the fact that it's so darn clear, but unfortunately it's in the wrong space in our timeline of acting, it seems. But uh, also, this is something that when you are interacting with folks, often you will hear things along the lines of, well, I knew it all along, even though they may not have endorsed or said or marked something along the lines of correct. They were saying, well, I felt it. That was my first instinct. And often we tend to overtrust our intuition in the sense of how we feel. But often we've talked about how we can't always verbalize the gut feel that we have at the survival level. Yes, trust your intuition when you're out and about in the environment. But when it comes to intellectual tasks, often our intuition can be helpful, but it can also get in the way. But when we hear people say things like, well, I knew it all along. Well, why didn't you give the right answer is my question. But most of us can't, so we can't make that jump from the internal intuitive to the higher cognitive where we make a decision and we become declarative and say, this is it. Very few of us have that gain or skill. But something to think about. Whenever we hear things like, well, I knew it all along. Uh, I felt it was right. Well, that was my first uh, answer, but I changed it. Well, you know, those things happen. And I'm not totally decrying that because I not only believe, but I know that uh, the intuitive our, our body does take care of us and I totally trust it, yes. But there are times when it comes to interacting with people that there are errors that occur as a result of such things. And often whenever we're working at things, and whenever I was doing doctoral work, I know that I'd spoken to a number of people when I told them what my uh, dissertation was going to be about. And all the people that decried this were not doing the work that I was doing. They weren't immersed in doctoral level work. So I probably shouldn't have listened too much to their opinion, not that they aren't good people, but they gave an opinion from their point of, if I were in your shoes, this would be an inconvenience perspective. And, and I gathered that after the fact, but whenever I told them, yes, I'm doing a study involving acute care workers uh, that uh, struggle with uh, PTSD and burnout, but uh, I was also studying what would be considered direct indirect and vicarious uh, trauma exposure relative to burnout and PTSD in these acute care workers. And I would often hear, oh, that's been done before. It's been done before. Well, actually, it has not been done, not in that way. I, I nuanced it a little bit, and I was very specific. And uh, they all came from the, oh, I know this, and I know this. It's like, well, 
that's nice that you know about it, but they didn't know exactly what I was doing or, or knew the nuance or the detail that I was getting into that was differentiating the dissertation I was doing in something along the lines of burnout that has huge amounts of research or PTSD for that matter that has a large amount of research too. But yet it was, oh, I know this. They have this sense of, I already know, or I knew it. everybody knows this. And that is what we call advanced hindsight. And uh, I would like to say that <laughs> they were thinking with their backside, but that would be really unkind. But I tend to laugh a little bit because I completed that and it's good. It worked out and I found some of what I was needing to look for. And that that's cool. I certainly harbor no ill will, but it gave me a learning experience about advanced hindsight. Some people are very advanced in their hindsight because they tend to assume that they know more than what they do. And that is also a conjunctive fallacy, assuming that you know more than you do. Uh, often we may run into people, and I'm going to take Maslow's uh, hierarchy, a pyramid of self-actualization as an example. Most of us know this if you've been involved in any kind of psychology within the last 80 years. But uh, Maslow's uh, self-actualization peak of the pyramid um, is something that I find rather fascinating, but I also know that it's, it's a dynamic thing. Once you get all your biological needs met, your social needs met, all these things, you move up the ladder, and then whenever things are in order, you gain, you, you acquire, and you self-realize. But it, it's not um, concrete self-realization. It, it's something that indicates growth. Uh, what the pyramid does, it kind of boxes in the idea of what the pyramid is about. And, and there is a level above that. And this isn't my original idea, but uh, the late Dr. Glenn Morris, whom I've mentioned before in this podcast and his writings, he mentions, and I, and I tend to agree that there is a level above self-actualization in Maslow's hierarchy that indicates that if you really enjoyed the process, that there is something about getting someone else to develop and get to the point you got, or maybe get better or exceed. And being a martial artist for 38 years, almost 40 years now, uh, I realized that I'm a better coach now, and I don't like taking damage as much as I used to. But uh, I like teaching people because I realized that the things that I didn't have, I want to give the new generation because I want them to develop better and faster. And so that way they can grow the art and nuance the art. That, that way it doesn't die. And those are important things. And there is a great joy in being able to see someone replicate. But not only that, but to see them replicate and advance and create with a greater degree of skill than maybe I had at that age. And that's exciting to me. I harbor no ill will because they're better than me. I'm not jealous. I love to see it flourish that way. I love to see people flourish. So I enjoy teaching. And uh, one of the things, too, about Maslow's hierarchy is that once you go above that and you mentor people and get them to go above, there's a great degree of self-satisfaction. And those are important things to see. So that way you can get some of the payoff from the things that you know and not just keep it to yourself. And I got here because then that's kind of a selfish, competitive thing versus I got here. Now, what can I do to help others? That inverts the pyramid, so to speak, into uh, like a funnel and it's a broadcast growth and that means that it goes out in all directions which is an absolutely cool thing now another thing having to do with this fallacy and also hindsight is that right now we're hearing a lot of people that are expert in government things 
and the conflict that's going on right now that many people are talking about and that it's eaten up our news time right now. But one thing that we have to remember is that we're seeing things involving humans and all of these things we can get so involved in and we start losing our perspective and we're very quick to to go to one side or the other without looking more deeply into the, the facts. And this is why I'm bringing up the hindsight and the, the illusory correlations where we see relationships or patterns when maybe there aren't any. If we're under stress, we're more apt to believe things to be a certain way, and we're more apt to use less of our reasoning to make sense of things, and we may be more quick to jump to a conclusion and stick to it to develop a conviction especially when things seem to be told to us that they're moving incredibly fast and it's incredibly dangerous and there's stress and there's death and there's damage and this sort of stuff. When we get into the emotional state, even if it's a little, we have marginalized our capacity to think with the greatest degree of rationale and reasoning. And right now is whenever we need it most. So that way we can continue to be kind to each other and to help each other by supporting each other by giving the greatest degree of understanding and patience whenever we're thinking about things and know that not everybody involved in what's going on right now is in agreement. Often people are pressured and they have to act within a certain realm because of pressure or they would lose great numbers of things involving life, family, and other things. So in light of that, I just wanted to add these bits of information having to do with not only hindsight, how we tend to be apt to see things and believe things only after the fact. Clarity is wonderful once we know all the facts, of course, but also the conjunctive bias wherever we start having a development of a fallacious belief because things seem a certain way or because the social norm seems to say that this is the line, this is the truth. Whenever we were thinking about what happened with this pandemic issue, that was a big problem because many people were very sorely divided that were even within the same families. Should I do this? Should I not? And it seems like, you know, the information that was given was either hidden or it was put out there and people didn't pay attention. We we're on both sides of the fence there, but it was a huge impact. But if we look deeper, we might find things that we don't want to hear or see. But the more important thing in the practical sense I'm hoping everybody's okay. We all lost people then, including myself. <laughs> is that the important thing is that we continue to go and keep our minds clear and that we work towards being able to communicate well, minimize our stress, and encourage the growth of rational and reasonable thinking and doing, and that we continue to make safe every day and trust our nature because we're not here by accident. At least that is my belief. And I certainly enjoy talking to each and every one of you, and I'm hoping to hear back from you. And if you want to share this podcast with people, please do follow, like, and share. If there are people out there that you think could benefit, please share it with them. If you think that they wouldn't benefit, give it to them anyway. That would be very generous. It's like Santa Claus during Christmas. Be generous and give gifts away. But if you have any questions or if you just want to reach out and say hello to me, please do at the email Running Man Get Skills Project at Gmail. I would love to hear from you. Also, if you have any suggestions or any questions about the material that we've covered up until this time, please let me know. I certainly have enjoyed visiting with you, and I just wanted to touch on a couple of light topics today that are useful 
in how we shape not only our thoughts, but our reasoning, and also realizing that sometimes, and it often happens more than sometimes, uh, the social environment, the people we're around, can also pressure us and lead us in a way that we may shape our beliefs. And it's a hard chart sometimes to be able to maintain the truth, as it were, versus just swallow the line and say, okay, this is just easier because I'm accepted and it will give me a hard time. So encourage, I will tell you. Take care. Good talk to you. We'll speak soon. Walk well.